Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, everyone, once again to the GeoMob Podcast. Tonight, I am very happy to be joined by John Craig. John was a recent presenter at our June 10th GeoMob, uh, where he shared his perspective after a career working in location-based services, location-based advertising, giving us his uh, this presentation all about the state of play in the industry. Welcome, John. Great to have you on the podcast after your talk. I really enjoyed the talk. Introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us who you are. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate you inviting me on here. I'm from Edinburgh, and I started my working life in cellular networks with Ericsson in, uh, well, England, then France, then Germany, then the Swedish headquarters. And then I moved back to London and started an 18-year period in basically location and geo. And there were four companies where I was uh, looking after their location products. The first involved multi-cell location technologies, what most people call triangulations. And we worked there with kind of timing signals. We used timing to assist GPS to get a faster fix. So I, I spent four or five years on these technologies. And then I moved on to complete sat-nav systems. So putting together maps with software, with connected services, with boxes or smartphones. And then basically in white labels for uh, Asus, Panasonic, Motorola and brands like these. So that was a couple of years. Then I had another couple of years working with three-dimensional road and terrain maps that were built by uh, the company had airplanes and pilots uh, equipped with LiDAR and they made three-dimensional maps of the earth and turned these into roads using satellite imagery and we sold these to the automotive industry. And my last gig and the one that's really the subject of, of this podcast is working with location-based advertising and other advertising technologies and solutions in Telefonica, Germany for the last nearly seven years. And all of this time has really been in product management where really you know enough to be dangerous, I would say. In geo terms, we kind of bridge the gap between the flashy, cool stuff that the tech guys like. We kind of package this up and productify it and then help the sales guys to make a business from it. And that's really the essence of, of what I've done for, for a few decades, I would say. We do a bit of crystal ball gazing into the future as well. But that, that's, that's my background. Well, congratulations. That was quite a, quite a diverse career covering all aspects of the, the geo stack. And yeah, it's um, a lot of things a, come and go. Yeah, as a product manager, you chase interesting products and industries. And really, that's, that's all it's been. I can't say there's been much of a plan behind it. But whatever's taken my fancy, uh, I've thought, yeah, that sounds interesting. And off you go. Well, let's dive into location-based advertising. So, what, so what's the current state of play there? Who is doing what? Uh, what types of advertising are there? Does it work? Does it not work? Give us, give us the high-level summary. Okay, high level. Well, I mean, I would say it's at a crossroads and, and I wouldn't separate it from mobile advertising. The future of location-based advertising is very much tied to mobile advertising. And mobile advertising has a few challenges ahead of it. I would gently suggest that it's not very compliant with EU data regulations and GDPR as it operates today. It doesn't really treat your personal data very well and doesn't give a very good value exchange. As someone that receives mobile advertising, it's not very interesting. It's pretty dull. You can't think of many good ones. What do you mean by mobile advertising? Like me getting an SMS or something? Is yeah, that, is that SMS or, or, or when you're in an app, you might see a display advertising or when you're browsing. Anything you get on your phone that's an advert, advert basically, and not what you really want to look at. 
So really, and then, but the, the main thing really though is that it's quite damning is that it hasn't evolved much in over a decade. The current mobile advertising phase was probably brought in by the iPhone around 2007 and it's basically run its course. It is, it's kind of over in my opinion. It's now a case of what comes next. And I, I've compared it very much to the music business in 1976. It's a, a bit over a bit corrupt, a bit expensive, controlled by a few, and therefore we need something like a punk revolution to tear down these structures and really replace them with something better. And LBA is a part of mobile advertising very much. And what we've seen LBA do over recent years is transition from this Starbucks coupon, quasi real-time when passing a store use case, to more location analytics, creating audience segments where you have a map with points of interest, you put everyone's location data through it, and you turn them into golfers because they were seen on a golf course, commuters because they were at the main train station four days a week, uh, frequent flyers seen at airport. Fast food junkies seen near these places X times a month. So you're basically, your location data is used to assign you into, put you in a box, an audience segment, and then you can be targeted anywhere and any time. So the location is being used, but it's not being used as you pass the store. And that's what I think has changed with, with LBA. So it's become a new form of advertising of LBA. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that Starbucks example because over over the years at GeoMob, you know, many many times people have cited this example. I don't know why, but always using Starbucks. But the idea is, of course, you walk past the store and you know your phone buzzes and you're going to get you know one one euro off your latte or whatever. And of course, that hasn't panned out that way. So why not? Is it a technical issue? Is it a there's no consumer demand for this? There's no um, advertiser yeah. demand. What what happened there? Yeah, I can. The Starbucks uh, use case is technically very difficult to get it right, irrespective of what way you do it. If you consider the three different ways you can do it, you can use operator location. So if you're moving past a Starbucks, you trigger a geofence. Now, the issue then is usually your message is put in a queue because if it's a text or picture message, it's put in a queue and it could take 10 seconds to minutes to deliver. And at that point, if you're walking, you're past the Starbucks. If you're using an app, for example, if you're using it in the foreground, so you're only located when you're using the app. Well, frankly, the chances of you being passing a Starbucks and using this particular app are almost nil, I would say. So it's a very unlikely use case if you're wanting to use app foreground location. If you're using background location, where typically you're located every 15 minutes or so, well, how likely are you that you're located just when you're outside Starbucks if you're getting four locations an hour? So really the Starbucks use case only works if you're hanging around for an hour near the Starbucks. Uh, if you're moving, uh, you, you're really fighting the fact that your, your location will be inaccurate because you're, you're essentially moving uh, and changing your position. There is a way of, of getting around it where you put everything on the phone and it just detects the Starbucks Wi-Fi or whatever and, and, and does things from the phone. But the, the, the methods of LBA today it simply don't work very well for this use case. There's too much coincidence required. I see. And what kind of advert are advertisers interested in doing this kind of stuff, or no? Or they've realized it doesn't work. Not the Starbucks stuff uh, so much, but they they love well with the Starbucks stuff, but maybe not as as precise or not as much in the moment. But generally, advertisers like 
like location-based advertising. I mean, they, they buy it. We had our service, O2 More Local, we had 4 million subscribers in Germany. And really, every major brand and agency in Germany tried it at one point or another. So advertisers kind of get it. Car companies with dealerships, McDonald's and Burger King were two of our biggest customers, banks, fashion stores. All these guys, particularly in retail, really understood the value of it and really appreciated it more than I would say normal advertising. The issue we faced a bit was critical mass. So, I mean, 4 million subscribers is kind of maybe a decent, healthy base. But as soon as you target and you need people to be in certain places where there's geofence, the, the numbers go down. And, and, you know, you can never have too many people in your base to advertise to. So I would say generally advertisers understand it and they like it and they buy it. And, you know, at times they would have bought more of it if we could give them more. Do you have any examples of, of advertisers who, who use the new technology well? Like, like what are some, some case studies of people who, who really did well with using location-based advertising? I'm not so sure, actually, if I have what, what we could call good examples. I mean, really, uh, I would say our service was a good one, but I would say that. But it was very transparent to the user. The opt-in was very clean. But, you know, when we're setting it up, this was in 2013 or so, there was not much you, you could look around the world and say, yeah, we should base it on that or this, because th there was nothing set in the world on fire, and there still isn't. So it's really, in terms of what's needed to make it work, I mean, I, I think you have have to really respect the users and be very clear on how you use their data, a lot of transparency. I would avoid dodgy partners and there's the, the, there is a murky side to the advertising ecosystems. And then I think setting the right expectations on location accuracy and, and just what targeting someone passing a store actually means. But How, um, how accurate the, is it in general? Like, like uh, as a mobile operator, how well can you determine someone's location? Well, let me put it this way. Our smallest geofences were 500 meters radius. We could go down to 300 meter radius. And really, you don't get many more smaller cells than that. And our geofences were comprised of collections of cells. So there's no point having a 50 meter geofence because that's smaller than the smallest cell. And the other reason why there's no point is you'll get very few people in a small geofence. You know, you don't want to be waiting around for days and, and end up with like 17 people or something like that just because you've made such a precise geofence that no one goes in it. So it's really, so we found that like 500 meter geofences were perfect. Sometimes we'd do a whole city because if you were doing an event or a strong promotion, people would travel within a city to it. So they were big. They, they weren't, we, we never lacked precision in our location technology. We never thought, oh, we wish we had a, a better location technology to get sharper location because the, the geofences were big. And that's because advertising likes big. So you need to sell as many people as possible. So you, you just don't get away with like making small campaigns very easily. That's interesting because on the technical side, obviously people think it's always a technical issue and how can we be more precise and more, and more accurate. But in the reality, it sounds like the technology wasn't the barrier at all. It's, it's, just a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a business issue. I mean, really, yeah. yeah. People want to sell big campaigns to make big money. And if you, you know, my, my favorite was I always use, well, why don't you do this targeting? You know, geo targeting, this part of town, males, 20 to 30, iPhones, perfect. And then it's like, well, John, uh, we'd only reach a thousand people. Uh, I'd rather sell 50,000. So, 
you know, sometimes it wasn't really, it was better targeting and you may have got better engagement, but you'd have made less money out of it. Huh. Yeah, good point. You, you had another interesting comment in your talk that, uh, that I found quite funny where you said, um, if you want to find out how many lawyers work at your company, tell someone you're planning to do some location-based advertising and, and instantly they'll appear. Talk about some of the legal complexities around this. I guess it's gotten much worse now with GDPR and things like that. It has, although when I, I mean, to be fair to the, the data protection people in Telefonica, the people in charge, they were excellent, both of them uh, over different time periods. But, you know, location is personal data and you need the explicit consent of users to use it and you need to explain to them what it's used for. And this is for GDPR. It's also, I think, for the Californian legislation. It's becoming a bit more than Europe and California as well. And just to be really clear, GDPR was essential to curb a real misuse of data by the advertising industry. Your location data was traded with hundreds of companies you've no relation to, you don't know anything about them, and they were making money off your data. So GDPR was essential in that instance. And it can be manageable. You just have to be totally transparent and very clean and tell subscribers, this is a deal you give us your location, we'll locate you here, there, and we'll combine it with other things we know about you and we'll give you targeted offers. So tell people what you're going to do. And for operators, usually that, that's, I mean, operators need a degree of transparency because they're government regulated and such. Apps and, and display and programmatic is, is much murkier. I mean, these are all mixed together. There's different legal texts for each app. Uh, Google and Facebook are in the mix. You don't really have any way of finding out what's going on with your data and which companies have your data. So there, there are legal complexities around LBA there, but first of all, the complexity comes from the way that the advertising industry has set up its own ecosystem, and it's, it's super complicated. Very few people actually... Yeah, often, often we, have, we have those, you see those charts where they show kind of, you know, all the brands in the industry, and if you get one yep. mobile uh, advertising, it like... Yep. 2,000 different logos on the page, you know, and each one selling the data to the next one and the next one, and really you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's a complex space. And, and I guess as a reaction to that, and we see Apple more and more, you know, just last week was the, uh, the Apple conference, and it seems they're going to be pushing even more, more warnings to the user when apps are accessing your data and basically making the user explicitly opt in, which obviously many people won't do. So in that regard, is, is, this, is, is that the, the necessary reaction to the abuses in the industry? And will it lead to better behavior or will it lead to just basically the death of the industry? It will make it very difficult to get clean location data. I think we can say that without any doubt. To their credit, Apple have always been big on this and have always been very careful what can be done by apps in their ecosystem. But, uh, you know, you get a bit surprised. When you start to see Google and Android limiting background location, then that, that looks like a pretty clear signal. And you need to be very legally compliant or have a plan B of some kind to get location data. But really, I mean, transparency can solve this. So people that publish apps can be very transparent and tell users what data they want, how they will use it, and list all the companies they will share it with. So within the confines of the OS and, and, and GDPR and whatever, there, there is a path through this where you can do it properly. But it's all about respecting the, the user and not just respecting how the ad ecosystem has done this for years. A challenge, Deb, when you're very, very much. When you balance that, as you say, with the need to get scale. 
yep. very difficult yep. to um, to execute on in a reliable way. Scales everything, really. I mean, you don't make a business from lots of small campaigns, even if they're spectacularly targeted. But let's take a look forward. So what what's next? What's coming now, either on the technical side or what are the things that in the industry people are excited about? What are, what are the new possibilities? It's an interesting question. I mean, when I was researching my uh, future of LBA and then putting it into search engines for the, the webinar, I mean, all you find are loads of articles, but they're all from 2013 and 2016 and <laughs> 2018, if you're lucky. And to, to address a fundamental, there is one, and that's the location technologies. They've been the same for 20 years, and the hardware is out there. The cellular radios, the GPS radios, the Wi-Fi radios, these are three great technologies, but they're what you have to work with, plus the laws of physics. And you can't kind of replace the, the billions of phones out there when you hardware very quickly. And Bluetooth nearly made it as the fourth location technology, but the, the industry contrived to basically miss an open goal. We really needed indoor sub 10 meter location. And with Bluetooth beacons, we absolutely blew it as an industry. So it wasn't added to. So we've still got these three fundamental location technologies. And one of the problems, especially in LDA, is that I think we're all deluding ourselves massively where everyone seems to have GPS data. They all say it's got GPS GPS data. So it's super sharp, sub five meter, because it knows where your car is on the road. Solve, what's to improve when you already have this fantastic GPS data all the time? Now, of course, it's not true at all, but that's the belief. <laughs> I mean, Bones, GPS doesn't work Bones, inside. Bones use a hybrid mechanism where they take Wi-Fi, cellular, GPS, and calculate a position. Yeah, as you say, when you go indoors, you lose your GPS, you default to Wi-Fi or cellular. Shopping centers and inside stores are one of the biggest use cases for location-based advertising. And GPS isn't very good there. So despite what I've just said, every not everyone, but so many people are ad, in advertising go around talking about their GPS data with the perception it's super sharp. So, you know, if that's the belief People don't think they need to improve this. They don't think they need good indoor technologies because they've got this super sharp GPS data. So the LBA industry is really at a crossroads like with mobile advertising. And I've been looking a lot at new systems based on transparency and trust and paying users for their personal data. I launched a, led the launch of an app in Germany called O2Get. And we worked a bit with a few, I worked a bit with a few other startups to try and establish an alternative model where a user is more transparent and users get more for their data. But the issue is none of the, the big guys are into this yet, and people don't really give their personal data to startups. So it, it's a pretty difficult thing, but I really do think things will have to change. But in the meantime, advertising will continue as it is, and it will do whatever it can to get away with, with your data and to make money of it, because fundamentally, location has tremendous value. If you don't have location on data, what happens sometimes is it's added. It's basically fraudulently added to data so it can be sold for a higher amount. So there's no doubting its value. But at the moment, the advertising industry, the LBA industry will continue as it's been doing, really. And I mean, looking ahead, you always get the same stuff, you know, indoor maps, indoor location. But that's been the next big thing for, for so many years that you just want, you know, prove it. Let's see it. Things like AI may have a use if you can get a lot of good data. You can maybe start guessing and modeling such that you don't need as much data. But I don't know enough about that area. But, you know, the answer is, you know, what comes next? What's the future? I don't know. I just know that 
the current setup is not sustainable for too much longer. Well, you're right about indoor uh, navigation, indoor mapping. We've had many, many startups over the years who come through with all kinds of different use cases, be it consumer, be it in the enterprise, be it Bluetooth beacons, be it whatever, you know, where they take some kind of device and they map the facility. Yeah, no one seems to really have fundamentally unlocked the opportunity well, around indoor yet. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's the organic growth. I mean, you have to do it building by building. And I mean, how many buildings do you have in cities and countries and all that? So uh, it will take time, but, you know, one day, one day it'll be there, I'm sure. What about the whole discussion now going on in every country about these corona tracking apps? And yep. Do you see that, does the industry see that as an opportunity or as a threat in terms of, on the one hand, obviously it scares people because they, it scares consumers because they become more aware that, oh my God, my phone is tracking me, my phone is sharing information with other people that I don't necessarily know. You know, they, they become aware of this. On the other hand, it kind of opens the discussion about the idea that you know, maybe there are times where you do want to share your data and when you get something in return and, and people start to understand more the dynamics. Whereas previously, I feel like for many people, it's a complete mystery how it all works. And yeah, as yeah. You say, people talk about GPS location when it's obviously not GPS, all, all these kinds of things. So, so how do people in the industry see that? Well, I mean, I, th I think the actual location element, you know, your absolute location where you are has been taken off the table a bit. So it's all about proximity to other people. Yeah, and you and, but you and I know that, but the average consumer, I'm not sure they get it. All of a sudden, no, I, they, they just for the first time become aware, oh my God, you know, my phone can track, can track me and can share data. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it takes some explaining, but I mean, it is a much safer and a much more. I mean, let's face it; it's ten, twenty million Germans have downloaded this, so you can bet your your bottom dollar it's safe to some extent. And I believe it is. I mean, I think I wasn't very happy, and but I was a bit uncomfortable with some of the data privacy arguments in the beginning because you know people are dying out there, and there's some people worried about sort of someone sees where they are at a certain time. You know, you have to get your priorities right, but. I think the way it's now been designed, and i only speaking for the German app, which is now rolled out in big quantities, I think that's a pretty solid one. But I think it's very difficult to explain it to people. I know there's all these graphics on how it works, and it only really works when you get someone who's infected, and then, then you begin to see what happens. But um, I, think, I think that's good as you can get. But I think some of the early stories about you, you know, your location data and all this were just uh, hysterical, really. Mm. All right. Well, any final thoughts? I mean, for people who are interested in this space, where does the industry meet online? Where should they be learning more about it? Are there any blogs or thought leaders or? Well, in location, in, in LBA, none I really follow. I mean, it's very much a, it's very much a specialist field. And when it's um, written about by non-specialists or people new, you can end up with sort of... Um, not not great articles. And um, if people want to dig into the the legal aspects, there's a brilliant report by the Norwegian Consumer Council. It's called Forbruker Rodit, and it's called Out of Control, and it's a technical report on just how specific apps work with location and other data. Where does the data go? Who receives it? And they've basically torn apart this ecosystem. And it's a real eye-opener. It's about 200 pages or so, but it absolutely nails some of the things I mentioned earlier about the, the, the lack of control and this like misuse of data. Generally, though, blogs, newsletters, everyone belongs to a company that 
as something to sell you, and this tends to, to corrupt completely what they're saying. You, and you end up with your GPS data stuff and all. And at the moment, I mean, LBA doesn't have a status like AI or sustainability or blockchain once had. So really, it's, it's, um, it's currently sleeping a bit. It will rise again, I believe. Any interesting startups we should be keeping an eye on or people doing innovative things? Or is this, as, as we said earlier, it's all about scale and really only the big operators have the scale to participate? There are a few startups that are looking at alternative ways of working with users on data. I mean, there's a company in the UK, Citizen Me. I like their approach very much, especially their architecture. There's a similar Swiss company, Bits About Me. And, and they're just trying to turn this advertising model on its head and, and uh, do a bit more for users. But generally, with more deep location technology, not really. I mean, you know, you have to get location data, and that's the, the difficult part to start with. I've heard a few companies trying to create new hybrids of different location technologies, but you know, these, all, these things all have to obey the laws of physics at the end of the day. So I, I've not really been impressed or, or think any of them will make a big impact. Well, all right, John, you're not, you're not pulling your punches there. Us <laughs> <laughs> independents can do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. And what's next for you now? What you're you're on the hunt for the next role? Staying in LBA or is it time to jump um, to the next? You never you never you never know. I mean, I, I'm spending a lot of time on LinkedIn, too much time, and also on uh, glenevis.com, G-L-E-N-E-V-I-S.com, which is my personal website. So I'm I'm just sort of writing articles and getting stuff that have been stuff that's been in my head for years out that I can then reference and, and move on actually. So I've got as well as numerous location articles, there's one on 5G, there's one on mobility and, and e-boots, which are like e-scooters, but more natural. A few things on automotive product management. So I, I'm, I'm talking to a few people about various projects and then doing a bit of writing. And all the articles come with presentations that I sometimes give as well. So I'm kind of... Um, I'm kind of busy, but yeah, just really sort of um, doing a bit try before you buy with various projects to see if, if that's what I really want to spend my time with next. Okay, well, we'll make sure to get get your site linked up in the notes and also that Norwegian study and, and the various startups that you mentioned. People yep. can check it out. And uh, hey, can people get in touch with you if they have further questions? Of course, or yeah, yeah. What's Absolutely. the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn actually is probably best. Or my website has an email. I'm, I answer these things very quick. Uh, so yeah, no problem. Okay, fantastic, John. Thanks very much. We appreciate you uh, sharing your perspective with us, even, even if it... It's not so rosy for the old LBA industry, but... It will, it will rise again, Ed. Mark my word. <laughs> well, we shall see. I mean, there's no shortage of innovation. So yep. let's see what people come up with. All right. Okay. Well, thanks very much, John. Fine. Bye. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event.
hope to see you there soon. Bye.